Welcome to Sustainably in Love with your hosts Sebastian and Guilherme. We're going to be embarking ourselves on an endless journey to raise massive awareness debunking sustainability in fashion. Yeah, right, everyone talks about it, but what do they really mean? Is it organic, recycled, plastic-free products? Slow fashion circular economy business models? Or maybe all the way up to ethical fashion and fair trade social values? So much to debunk, so much to uncover. Come on, join us and let's get into it. Hello, Sustainably in Love, familia. We are back with another episode. I have with me Connor Hill. He is a circularity leadership coach and consultant. I, I really love uh, this title, something that I've never seen before. He's, he's got a very a specific uh, uh, passion, focusing on the sustainability side for circular business models. And this is something that I've been wanting to, to have a, a, very, a good conversation with. And no one better than, than uh, Connor to have a conversation with. So, so good to have you in the show. Thanks for coming, Connor. Thanks for having me, Seb. This is awesome. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking forward to hear your journey. And just, just to comment, you know, Connor has a, a great background. Of course, he studied uh, an environmental, environmental sustainability, uh, MSE he did. And he's been throughout his experience, a uh, sustainability manager. He's worked for Adidas, John Lewis, so that's sort of a lot of big names out there. Uh, Marks and Spencer's done a great work. And I think right now, what I'm looking forward to listen to is uh, your journey. So from how did you get kicked off from starting with sustainability, let's just say, to where you are right now as a coach and consultant? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I guess it's been a 10-year journey, but... Uh, in terms of being a professional, but it started like way, way before then. Um, so I'm like, uh, we're a big family, we're a family of six. And uh, I always remember we went through a lot of milk growing up <laughs> and um, we would, yeah. So those big four liter milk uh, bottles, my mom would drive about 20 miles and drop them off at this one recycling place. And back then, I guess that was, you know, 20 years ago or more. That was the only place you could recycle that one thing. Um, right. And that really stuck out to me of how big an effort she made just to recycle one thing. So I think it came in um, from my household, how much we were consuming and the effort to go to recycling back then. I was like, this isn't right. Um, it should be way, way easier than this. And then I guess things like, you know, the Kyoto Protocol, um, it came into force in 2005. Um, and that was really when I was starting to work out what I wanted to study. Um, and I knew government couldn't do it alone. Business would have to be a driver. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I studied sustainability, wrote my dissertation about M&S and Plan A, and uh, really just stalked uh, Mike Barry as much as I could uh, <laughs> to get support with my dissertation for an interview. Um, I guess he liked the results of what I came and what I wrote about, uh, which then turned into some further work with them and internship and then four years. So um, learned from some great people there, Adam Elman, um, Carmel McQuaid, Joe Daniels, Mike Barry. Uh, it was a great learning ground. Um, you know, M&S were and continued to be at the forefront of sustainability. Um, so great learning grounds. Um, but my love was also sports. Um, so Adidas saw the, the sport and sustainability and um, took me over there. Uh, and that really taught me a lot about how you engage with consumer um, around sustainability and marketing. Nobody was really doing it so well um, back in 2015. But it also yeah. 
I really started to create that niche around circular economy and what it means and where does all this stuff go. Uh, so that was around four years with them. Uh, worked with John Lewis on bringing their buyback pilot to the consumers um, in their Oxford store. And then more recently, exactly as you said, um, started up my own business. Um, I guess the world isn't flat and we don't have three planets. Um, so we need to do something. Uh, we, we can't keep consuming the way we are. We need to really shift big time into this circular um, way of thinking and producing and using and recycling. Um, and I really feel that I can inspire more brands um, at this time rather than working with one in-house. Uh, and, and that's really what I'm trying to do on social media platforms, working with uh, innovators, change makers and bringing them together. That's so awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love, love the experience. Love the journey that you've been into. And fun fact for everyone listening, <laughs> Connor once was in a Japanese TV commercial when he was five years old. Just to throw, <laughs> just to throw in as well, as well a fun fact. <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was really funny when we we're talking about the story behind scenes. But, you know, to continue talking about the, the work, there's, there's a, lot, a lot of things that you bring up when, on, the, on the job that you're doing, the work that you're doing as a, as a coaching consultant. And I'd love to ask you, how do you see the circular economy evolving into, you know, where are we today? You know, where do you see it going? Yeah, really good question. Um, I think where we are in terms of uh, strategy and, and long-term roadmap is we're seeing brands really starting to shift to start to use recycled inputs in their products, which is fantastic. So reusing stuff rather than being burnt or going to landfill or exported to another country, they're starting to use the recycled materials. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great first step. Um, but as we shift that and get closer towards the circular economy, mm -hmm. um, we need to think about how are those recycled inputs going into products which are overall going to last a really long time. And when they have finished their really long life, how can they all be recycled together into a new product? Um, so a second or third generation of that same product. And I think that's the bit where the circular economy changes thinking um, at a design level, but also across the whole entire organization. Um, sustainability can you know, be in one corner of the business a lot of the time, but the circular economy is the thing that connects everyone from design to logistics, um, returns, everything. Um, and I, I really see that with brands, they're really starting to think differently about, wow, the circular economy is, it connects so many things, it makes sense from a consumer point of view, business sense, um, and, and new opportunity. So I see that coming, yeah. um, but I also don't think that's the end um, because that's, that's a product that goes round and round and round, which is great, starting to close the loop, looking at things like cradle to cradle. But also in parallel to that, we need to think about the regenerative systems. So what can, how can we harness nature and its billions of years of innovation to think about how we use that in our daily lives? Uh, and when we're finished with that, whether it's a long period or a short period, how can we design in a way that that returns to nature? Uh, and it feeds that, um, the biocycle, which, you know, Ellen MacArthur so, so nicely puts in that butterfly diagram that we've got to have both. Um, but just today we see a lot more around the circular economy from a product point of view, looking at how we can get things to be reborn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I'm, all, I'm almost always thinking and trying to look for, say, I try to refuse or consume as 
as needed, right? So that's the first thing that I always I always try to share. You know, think of the what what do you need versus um, what do you want. And when you put those questions into consideration, then you you gotta truly look into consuming less. But even even when I'm out I'm out there trying to look for brands, I like seeing the brands that can offer a circular model where I can't return. I know I have the, the, the feeling that I am re I'm using right now, my, my t-shirts. And for example, with, with one of the brands that I recently, recently bought, um, I know that I can return that back to them. They're also going to give you a discount and then they will reuse. They will actually upcycle uh, or sort to say recycle, depending on the process for the product. That's the type of um, the brands that I like looking into it. So I think it's so important. And I know that part of your work is partnering with brands, you know, like you, you're talking about to recycle their, their used products and materials into something newborn, innovative. So in between all of this, as you inspired, um, you're inspiring consumers as well as you're, as you're helping um, the brands, Maybe it would be nice to hear the impact you've created on a sort of business case or more than a, a life example on, on the coaching you've done. That, that will be also painting the picture. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, of course. It's, um, so I think quite a recent example um, is working with a brand and they, they do want to get onto the circular economy journey. Um, but they need to make some initial steps. Um, and, and what's the, the right starting point for one brand, one product, one consumer group might be very different for a different brand or company. Um, but this particular one, um, they are, they've got quite a high percentage of uh, products being returned from their consumers because um, of wrong size, wrong fit, whatever it might be. Um, so it's actually working with them on that in particular area, it's actually how can they bring in or how can we bring in a partner to get better sizing for their products? So consumers buy the right size rather than buying, you know, a size up, a size down. Um, so you, you're changing that mindset. So there's a, there's an enabler I'm working with on that one. Um, but actually the business had one or two people that looked at returns in terms of what actually happens with them. And it wasn't really acknowledged the amount of money that's there and the amount of waste that was being created. So we've created a case study with them of the volume of returns that are coming through and the, the storage costs of all of them and actually where they're currently going today um, isn't a perfect solution. Um, so we've done that business case. We're now found a partner that will take them. And we're actually now looking at how we can partner with a new fiber to fiber recycler um, so we can actually get that material back and then create a new collection with them um, in around probably around 18 months to two years time. So that's sort of an example of, you know, they've got this big returns issue and that for them was somewhere where a good starting point. Um, other brands, I'd say, will be totally different. Yeah. Um, but it's about making the business case first and foremost um, and then bringing in um, the sustainability and the circular benefits. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I love those examples that you gave because, I mean, for example, the first one, as, as you're talking about returns, for a lot of brands, that is a problem, you know, when, when you try on something and you have to return that, especially these days where almost we can say 100% of everything is online and there's not, there's not much uh, these days that you can go in stores to try and people are embracing the fact that it's, 
it's uh, also an easier way to do things, but that can create for a lot of brands, a lot of returns. So, I mean, that, that sounds like an amazing job that you did in that. I was just curious to maybe ask in terms of like, when you're searching for new fibers and, and they're, they're trying to make that change, I would say sometimes suppliers can be resistant. I mean, the manufacturers, especially if they got a, a process in, in place and all that. So what, what do you think have been the, the, the biggest challenges when, when, when you're doing your work? Yeah, well, on that exact one, um, yeah. that particular brand was essentially the returns were going to one area. There was quick triage and what can go back out again. Um, but the products which weren't economical to clean and relabel and put back out again, um, the inventory of that, that area, that stock wasn't so great. Um, so they actually didn't really know the quality of the products that were there. Mm -hmm. So the challenge we then had is, okay, there are certain providers we can work with for the fiber to fiber um, recycling, but in order for it to be sent there, it needs to have its buttons cut off, uh, the zips cut off, yeah. or was it a blended material or was it a pure material? So um, there's various technology which is looking at the, the identification of that automatically. Um, but the, in this particular example, it was quite a manual task. So right. um, building in and working with them to start recording what is going into that area of non-usable uh, must be recycled or they're looking for a quick solution, then it's actually working out what data have they got? How can they start collecting that better? Yeah. So that when they know there is a supplier that will say, okay, that area is 100% polyester garments, no buttons, no um, big prints on it. Uh, that's a good clean stock for that partner. Let's set up that system, let's set up that process. And then other areas where it's maybe denim that are at that moment in time, too costly to repair or yeah. whatever it might be. Um, then it's actually putting them to one side, knowing that inventory and having that to think about, okay, well maybe next year we're gonna do a refurbished collection or maybe we're gonna do a collaboration with a different brand um, and they're gonna take all of those and they're gonna take those denim trousers, make them shorts, or maybe they're gonna work with a homeware brand and turn them into soft furnishings. So it's, it's about creating new processes, getting better data, um, and then you can really start to create those second life, third life um, solutions for these products. Wow, I really like that. Uh, how, you, how do you unpack that? And that was awesome. That was awesome to put that into a life, um, life case scenario in where you've, some of, the, some of the work that you've done. This is awesome. I'm curious, just as, you know, as we're having the conversations, you know, just to talk about a little bit on the app cycle versus recycle. Sure. As, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm going through it, you know, like I'm still going, I still got a ton to learn. And then when you're, when you really embrace sustainability, there's always every day something new that you, you learn and every day feels like a new day when, you, when you're embracing the journey, super fun. I try to, I, I'm struggling to, to picture like, what is really more sustainable, right? When you, when you talk about it, maybe you can answer this much, much quicker than I'm thinking it in my mind, but what do you, what would you recommend to brands? If someone comes to you, you know, like we're looking at doing app cycle and would you recommend, would you recommend them to go better on the recycle or say, yeah, you should go for app cycle. How do you manage that? Um, 
So I guess it depends on what the brand is wanting to achieve. Um, so are they wanting to create a, a small scale collection, a pilot and learn from it? Then, then that's something you get more heavily involved with the designers. Uh, you create, um, essentially you're trying to create um, some market interests, create a proof of concept, and then maybe the next season you, you ramp it up a bit more. So that's maybe more from the upcycling side. Right. Um, and, and that tends to be historically um, because of the economics um, at a higher end. However, you do see some amazing upcyclers. Um, so there's a zero waste designer in New York who's doing incredible stuff with incredible um, leftover fabrics and creating like really cool, like athlete leisure stuff. Yeah. So you do sort of see the upcycle at different levels um, and it ha is coming down in terms of price point. Recycle is, um, let's say the last solution. Um, yeah. But when we're talking about big volumes, so let's just say cotton t-shirts because it's in, everyone knows it has many cotton t-shirts. If there's a big volume of those and a brand is looking for um, a solution um, and that, you know, it's a low price point, it's expensive to maybe upcycle, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of t-shirts, then, you know, and they need that quick solution, then maybe recycling is the best solution at that moment in time. Because if it's 100% cotton, yeah. then, you know, you can recycle that down, you can get 20% recycled cotton into a new t-shirt. Um, and if they want to put it in a, in a heavier fabric, like a hoodie, that percentage goes up, you know, and that nice. becomes a really nice story. And it was a quick solution to get their warehouses cleared. Um, so it, it's all case by case. Um, there, it's very hard to have a perfect solution at, at an economical level for some things at the moment. But for me, it's all about brand starting. Um, you know, don't wait for perfect. Um, it's all about testing, trying. And, and when they find things which work for them, the consumers like it, then scale those areas up. But today there isn't really a silver bullet yet. So uh, I'm all for being optimistic and brands trying what they can um, and, and learning from that. Awesome. I think oh, personally for me, if, I'm not sure for the listeners, but I mean, for me, at least you've painted the picture really well in, 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 the, dif in the two differences there. But nevertheless, you, have to, you made something very clear that you also have to treat it on a case-to-case -case basis because... For every business, there's going to be different scenarios that are, you have to take into consideration and absorb the, absorb the data to see what is going to be the best scenario for them in all ways, but of course, always thinking uh, environmental, environmentally as well. So, Absolutely. And I, even on like a, an individual basis, um, so during lockdown, I, I sort of learned how to use a, or relearned how to use a sewing machine yeah. um, and turned, you know, like one of my sort of denim shirts, I was getting, um, I had a hole in the elbow and then just took some denim jeans that I wasn't using anymore and um, used some of that fabric for the elbow patches. So it's sort of, exactly. um, big brands need to do their part, definitely. But also when you talk about, um, you know, upcycling, then people can do it in their homes. And, you know, you even have, you know, libraries where they've got repair cafes and sewing machines. So yes, it's up to the brands, but also, you know, if people are motivated, you know, YouTube's fantastic for learning new skills. And when you can now go to your local library to use a sewing machine, then, you know, you can put what you learned on YouTube, you can fix your own stuff. 
Or you can go back in time. My granny always says, like, what's this circular economy thing? You're just doing what I did 50 years ago. Um, so it's, it's going back to the seamstress as the cobblers. Um, so circularity doesn't need to be super innovative a lot of the time. I'd say half the time it's going back to what we did before. Yeah, you, you, you painted the picture now for everyone listening, how they can go out there and focus on sometimes even repairing. You know, there's your clothing doesn't need to be thrown away. You can repair it and it's super nice and you can reuse it. But when we're talking about not focusing on upcycling, you can do it at home easily. And you, like you said, you jump on YouTube right now and you will see plenty of videos that can show you a thousand ways in which you can turn a lot of things, clothing, you can turn them into some, you can turn your socks into kitchen clothes. You know, there's so many ways, like I, I just throw in one example, but there's so many different ways that I'm totally. like at the moment. And you don't even need a sewing it. machine. You, it, you can do it needle and thread as well. Um, or just now, you know, I got some new patches for my, for my, um, my wetsuit that's broken. And, you know, to fix a wetsuit, you would think it'd be difficult because of the material. But no, you, you just get patches and you put it on top. It's, it's quite straightforward. So just the more we inspire individuals that the repair solutions are not that difficult. And actually, the cost of some um, patches for my wetsuit was maybe 15 pounds. And a new wetsuit would be, you know, 200 pounds for the level that I'm looking at for swimming. It's, it just makes economical sense as well. And it's quite fun doing it. Um, so, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would have to tackle, of course, because the thing is, you know, like, with, especially with everything that we use, fashion, those are like, in our mind, I'm not sure if to put it like a bias, but in society, it is like trends, right? So everyone likes to stay up to date with trends and new clothing that is coming out. Oh, well, that's also on the fact that how we can be sure that sometimes we, we, we have to think about it. Some pieces of clothing that are some, some right now are being, are being released as new. They, they are from 10 years ago. They are like sort of even the same. So we have to break that trend and understand that what we have right now is the trend and keeping it for as long as, as we can is, is something that is going to contribute to the environment. So anything that we have right now in our home anyone that wants to take a small green step is by simply retaining what they have for as long as they can and trying to choose repair or second hand if they can and ultimately of course if you go for buying because you need to then you choose and the right sustainable brand that has the right journey and the right sustainable journey with sort of a circular model that's uh, that's what i always try to recommend but i want to touch on something like that and someone like myself, if I have to really buy something, I, I like putting my thoughts into the good brands that have a good sustainable journey, good communication, and sort of transparency, which is two things that are hard to find, say, in, in, especially in the fashion world, communication and transparency and sustainability. And it doesn't come easy when you try to look around. But when you see them, there, there are brands that are doing an amazing job. So for yourself, you know, and for everyone, for everyone listening, what, what brands... Would you like to recommend for everyone to check out based on their sustainable sustainable journeys? Let's just say. Uh, good question. Um, so I think oh, there's there's so many, um, and there's so many that I want the world to know about. Um, and some of them are doing great things in some areas, and you know they're just at the start of the road for other areas as well. Um, I was actually just looking at Icebreaker um, last night. Yeah. 
they do a fantastic transparency reports and really go down to the details of um, where they're sourcing their ingredients from, right down to the natural dyes that they're using. They use, um, they're supporting traditional farmers in China. Um, it's like a regenerative crop that they use, which goes into their natural dyes. And I'm like, that's just amazing that they show that level of thought and care into every product. Mm, so I'd say I <laughs> recommend Icebreaker with uh, with the winter fast approaching uh, up here in Scotland anyway. Um, other ones that I really like um, would be ones like Beyond Retro. So um, I, I think Beyond Retro, Depop, um, sort of similar sort of categories uh, that I don't necessarily want everything new anymore. I like if I'm you know, wanting a cashmere jumper, something like that, that I don't need it new. I'm totally happy getting one that's 10 years old because, you know, I'm wearing around the house to be warm. It feels nice. And in fact, actually, if it's a vintage Pringle one, then that's actually quite a cool story. So I think uh, Beyond Retro, Depop, we're doing a great example there. But beyond that, Beyond Retro, actually, all these things that they have and they can't repurpose in some way, they've now got some really, really smart circular economy um, tools and um, partnerships um, with some of the fiber to fiber recyclers in Scandinavia. Um, so I think they're starting to come really, really circular, uh, which I think is awesome. Um, but I'm probably <laughs> biased and I'd say Adidas are the one that I still look at and think that they're on a, a, a great path in, in a particular areas, uh, particularly around the innovation. Um, so in, I think, in the journey of carbon neutrality. Yeah, so this one area, absolutely, within their sort of their circularity, their their mission to create um, performance products which can run marathons in, which you know meet all the quality standards, um, but are also recyclable into the same next product. Um, yeah. They're on a journey. They're at the start. They're honest about that, um, but they, but they really really see that as the future. Um, so I would say they're there. Uh, you know, if you buy an Adidas product, they also have an app that they will give you an instant resale price. Someone comes to your door and they take it off you. Um, so that's amazing that, like that you can go into your cupboard and you get an instant price for all your old stuff. You don't have to put it on eBay or anything else. They make it very convenient. So um, I like those two business models they're looking at um, as well as their parley. Um, that would be my, my three, four top ones to say now, but... Oh man, I can make a very long list if you want, Seb. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you have a, a, a list of good brands that you that you follow. So that's why I was uh, very curious to ask you about this, my man. We're coming, we're coming down to the end, and it's been a it's been an awesome chat. You know, it, it's a flow, it flowed in in the in the direction of covering a lot of topics that even for me personally, I, I really enjoyed talking about and learning more about. So, uh, man, thank you so much again uh, for coming to the show. Thank you. It's been awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Sustainably in Love. So what were your takings uh, from the episode? We really hope that you enjoyed it. And truthfully, our show could not grow without your support. Therefore, whether for good or bad, we would love to see uh, your review on Apple iTunes or Spotify. And hope to see you on the next episode. 